Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Football Night Podcast with me, your host Owen Dowling. Number 7, how did we get here? I personally love the number 7. As a Liverpool fan, it invokes images of Kenny Dalglish lobbing Bergie Jensen to win the European Cup in 1978, or Luis Suarez delivering one of the greatest individual performances of all time, putting four past Norwich Anfield in 2014. 7 is considered a lucky number in many cultures. It derives its meaning from being tied to God's creation of all things, as relayed in Genesis 1 in the Bible. Genesis 2, on the other hand, is the name of a well-known sauna cum brothel across the road from me. I've heard Moses is filing a lawsuit for copyright infringement. What Moses left out of Genesis 1 was that on the eighth day, God created this podcast, saying, let guests come on and take listeners through their personal footballing history, from their first memories to their favourite football films or TV shows. I personally prefer Genesis 2. This is a message from the legal team here at the Football Night Podcast, just to say Owen has never and would never visit a brothel to participate in the act of exchanging money for sexual services, which he knows, whilst not illegal, is frowned upon, like having two showers in a day. He does do that sometimes, though. This week's guest was Tom Farrell. He's one of my oldest and closest friends. He's also made some stuff for the show, which is really awesome, and I'm delighted to have him on. If you don't know him, you'll get to know him. This episode was really fun to make. We touched on everything from childhood memories on the school playground and collecting football cards to the relationships and bonds football can help us form on this episode 7 of the Football Night Podcast. Enjoy. Ladies and gents, I'm joined today by a man who, and I have to state here, this is not a joke because some people may not be aware of this, has a YouTube channel with 24,000 subscribers and a total of 2.7 million views. He's a wonderful magician. He used to have a six-pack, I think. He's a walking, talking encyclopedia of Disney World. He's one of my best and oldest friends, and he's all of that despite being a Man United fan. Tom Farrell, welcome. Thanks for having me on. I'm pleased to be here. I've been uh, looking forward to this for, for some time now. I think you've been sort of saving sort of high-caliber guests for a bit later on you didn't want to yeah. just come out with a big boy straight away no. and i'm pleased to have made it onto the pod loved the episode with ben mm. nice to hear some uh, great opinions from a fellow fellow fan and uh, yeah i'm looking looking forward to it yeah i think I'd, i didn't want to come out like you said starting off too strong so i started with the weaker guests of rahul and Aiden. yeah you know yeah. just fake chelsea fans just irrelevant celtic <laughs> just flies exactly yeah. yeah now we're finally where we need to be episode seven yeah the pinnacle is going to be yeah. down there from here really isn't it yeah to be fair what did you have for tea you just haven't you see oh the tea uh, well i've had sausage and mash but sausages with vegetarian oh um, nice cool richmond now do quite, oh, yeah, richmond. like uh yeah they do like a veggie sausage now are you um, going veggie bit of a, i'm not going veggie it's just um obviously my sister's a veggie and i live with my sister you know Got to make some compromises. I'm not compromising. So, I'm not really missing the meat, to be honest. I don't, I don't, yeah. There's good like meat alternatives out there. Like all the all the new stuff, like the fake meat is actually quite nice. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's come a long way, and nothing wrong with having a bit of corn. Perfectly tasty, easier to cook. Cook it straight from frozen. That is true. There's no and, concerns. And no about, worries about yeah. poisoning yourself. Mm-hmm. Help and save planet. This is an advert for corn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's not the sponsor for the week. <laughs> yeah. Today's podcast is sponsored by corn. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, how have you been recently? How's your uh, lockdown going? How's it been? I mean, what can you say, really? it's I'm not going to come out with any fascinating answer here. It's been relatively boring. Mm. A lot of sitting around in my house. Mm. Um, finally getting back to work. I work at Orton Towers. For any listeners who don't know me, I finished my master's <laughs> in uh, September 2020. I'm trying to, be, trying to get a grad job, but uh, in the middle of COVID, that's... Mm proving a little difficult Impossible. so um yeah i mean i'm really interested in i mean you mentioned i'm 
walking encyclopedia of Walt Disney World. You missed out the Walt. It's a oh, is it? Part. Is that the um? Is that really what its, it's proper name is? Well, it was it was originally going to be called Disney World, but Roy Disney, Walt's older brother, uh, renamed it Walt Disney World after Walt died because he said that you know he wanted the world to always remember the man that made it all happen, which was his brother. That makes Walt more sense. Disney. Quite selfless, in my opinion. Uh, Should we go back and Roy... do the whole intro again? No, no. Uh, I don't think people are tuning in for my sad. Um, but uh, yeah, so times are tough, but uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a job at Alton Towers, industry I'm interested in, and finally going back to work, sort of preparing for April, April 12th, people can, mm. uh, we can start going out and doing stuff again uh, with some restrictions being lifted. So looking forward to that, um, getting back in the workplace, but it, other than that, lockdown has been pretty, pretty boring, to be honest, mm, watching a lot consensus. of football. Yeah. Watching Nothing a lot of football, do. though. Nothing else. To I'd do. say I've watched more football in the last sort of twelve months than I, I, I ever have in my life. I've Every actually noticed that. I, I, but yeah, there's nothing else. And to the do league has been very good this year. Uh, well, until sort of Man City just you know got a bit silly with it. It's been everyone was having a nice time. It just seems that like anybody could beat anybody. I know that can always happen, but yeah, just yeah. a bit more even. I mean, Pat, you know? they, they have they have ruined it. I mean, someone needs to have a word with him. Stop this <laughs> right now. <laughs> He's, he's ruined a lot of people's uh, mental health uh, lockdown. Everyone has have that sort of in it to win it mentality. Like, yeah. oh, at least we've got the football. Yeah. Yeah. And then City just fucked everyone up. And yeah. it's just like, do we care again now? Someone should have a word and obviously, what you said. You mentioned April 12th. Do you have any um, post-COVID restrictions lifted plans? Uh, I'm just looking forward to very ordinary things, to be honest. Just going out for a meal. I haven't done that in a long time. I think that's gonna. I think we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of joy from simple pleasures. It would be my my sort of prediction. You know, hoping to see a lot of friends. I haven't seen. I mean, one host of a, a very successful, fantastic podcast. I haven't seen in a while. You're rushing for a night out in uh, in Hanley. No, I wouldn't. You will not find me uh, in fiction. Is fiction even open? I think I think that closed down actually. So you won't <laughs> find me in there. Uh, That's a big win for COVID. You won't find me in Sugar Meal either. That's another um, stoke on Trent hotspot nightlife. Have Um, you been out? Have you been to any of those? Of course I've been to these places. Explain to the folks at home who don't know what fiction is or what the Sugar Meal is generally. Just what Hanley is. Fiction and the Sugar Meal are sort of clubs in Stoke-on-Trent which uh, in which you can find sort of the cesspit of humanity <laughs> do not go ever uh, this floors are sticky mm-hmm. piss everywhere mm-hmm. truck dealers mm-hmm. full of smoke bad music sesh demons cat demons <laughs> demons don't go <laughs> you're really selling it that's a good trip advisor yeah just full of weapons absolute <laughs> weapons it truly is. Um, you mentioned Alton Towers there as well. I'm not sure how much you'll be able to say. Do you have any good Alton Towers background behind the scenes drama? <laughs> so I've got any drama. It's it's certainly interesting. Uh, there's a lot of things that you sort of don't really think about when you go as a mm. guest. Like I, so I, I don't know if people will be familiar with Alton Towers. There's a roller coaster called Rita. Mm-hmm. It's uh, sort of a launch coaster, and that's one I work on. And I didn't realise like how it fully worked. Basically, to to make this thing go, it's like a nuclear launch. Like three people have to press a green button in unison. <laughs> really? Like, no, no bullshit. Like you all have to stand there, all give a thumbs up, all press this green button, and then if someone isn't pressing it, it can't go anywhere. So, um, wow. I, I mean, it's a good thing. It means it's, it's quite safe. Mm. Uh, obviously, there was the, the Smiler incident a few years ago. Um, but in general, roller coasters are 
far safer than you know your formal likely to have an accident going to a theme park than you ever would be at a theme park it's just that the accidents that happen at theme parks are so high profile and yeah one time it's it's good fun is the slider incident is that something like taboo are you allowed to mention it or i mean you're probably discouraged from saying all right to like any pain guests oh yeah guys don't worry (laughs) we're not gonna have a repeat of like a catastrophic tragedy today you're in safe hands <laughs> um but um just talking to other members of staff you know mm. it comes up occasionally but because of that because you don't want to have another event like that everything's been looked at again mm. and again and again to make sure nothing will ever hopefully out. but it should it shouldn't be possible for anything like that to happen again with the safety systems they've put in place like i said might have to go and retrospectively edit this bit out if there is a major incident at Alton towers on the yeah. first <laughs> but hope yeah. not. we hope not and um, you mentioned canceled. watching a lot of football there as well do you think football's changed post-covid or in the midst of covid obviously it has in some sense with no fans and things like that yes how, how do you think that has actually affected the actual football itself and not just the watching experience of it i think yeah the no fans is the biggest the, the biggest change and i think it's so noticeable but i mean before we came back before the football came back and it was sort of the first lockdown and you know we were talking about fans not being in the grounds and the, the pundits were debating you know is this going to be a factor and I think they've all been, the ones that said it would be, have been proven correct. I, I mean, let's take United. We're unbeaten in the league now, or uh, unbeaten away from home in the league for over a year. Now, when, I mean, I, I like our team. I think we've got a good team. It's not a league league title winning uh, side yet. We're a couple of transfers away, I would mm-hmm. say. But, you know, we're, we're not world beaters. We should have been beaten away. And we haven't been. And you look at the results we've had this season. We've we've gone down by a goal so many times to come back. I remember, you know, uh, earlier on the season in the group chat, Rahul was popping off every time we went one nil down. It's yeah. like you know they're going to come back. What's the point in being happy at this point? And I was like, yeah, to be fair, we, we are definitely going to win this game, mm-hmm. and we did. Yeah, uh, we won loads of games just after being one nil down. Mm. And I think it was because there's no fans. I think yeah. fans. Football is is nothing without the fans. Yeah, I think so, it, you think uh, the two two of the biggest stories of football the past year, and you talked about that United run being a year. There's a strong correlation between that being a year and yeah. there's a, another major event in the world which has been going on for a year. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, think it's any coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> we're, and, we're just not that good. No, and and Liverpool's long epic unbeaten home run also yeah. coming to an end at the time. Also true. Yeah, there's just like there's almost no such thing now as. I mean, there obviously is home and away, but yeah. It'll yeah, be well, like, yeah you're, uh, you're exactly right. Anfield isn't a, a fortress anymore. And I think that's because you've lost you've lost the, the sort of army that inhabited it, like the 11 blokes on the pitch. But when heads go down, there's no one there to lift them back up. True. Well, like I said at the start, I'm very excited to have you on. It's been five weeks since they've been Hall, so you've been waiting a long time. Um, and like you mentioned, we don't usually get to chat much football other than just kind of winding each other up about Man United and Liverpool, so very Very excited for something different. We had Shannon on last week, and she was talking about the experiences of being a woman in football, and we've been on a few weeks before that talking about being an LGBTQ football fan. As a straight white male from England who supports Man United, I bet your footballing story's been a real struggle. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just... You don't feel like you can really get into the scene. Um, <laughs> oh 
no, um, there is a pressure to go down the pub and knock back a few pints and be like, oh, I'm, a, I'm an yeah, old wide football fan. Yeah, that is actually not you at all. But that's not at all me. I, I don't drink. Never had a drop of alcohol in my life. And that's mm-hmm. like red wine gravy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are things about me that aren't stereotypical. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you certainly don't subscribe to that lad culture. No, I, I've never been a lad's lad. Yeah, I mean, you said it in the intro when I was 14, I was making YouTube videos in my bedroom with a deck of cards. <laughs> Yeah. Not exactly football hooligan uh, material, is it? No, not quite, not quite. Should we get straight into it? Should we hit the question? Yeah, let's, let's go for it. Let's go. Oh, that was crazy. I've never actually experienced that sort of atmosphere again before. It's absolutely electric, the passion. Tom Farrell, what is your first footballing memory? Honestly, probably getting hit in the face with a, a really hard football uh, in primary school. I think I was about six years old. I remember when you had Aiden on you. Aiden was <laughs> reckoning me. Got memories from like being a fetus or something. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah. What sort of lab he was born in. <laughs> but I certainly cannot remember kicking a football around the back on when I was two years old. No, no. I just remember being on the playground and I got hit smack in the face with. It wasn't. Um, it was like a sort of kind of leathery ball, I think, mm. or like a. It was hard. You know, those, they were they were red. Like ready orange, yes, yeah. really hard. Break your foot if you. They're like um, it. Sports direct kind of like cheap. You get them yeah. three quid, two quid. Yeah. I mean, school footballs they come in a few different categories. Mm-hmm. I'd say three categories. Okay. You got your floaters, okay. Okay. Full of air, you glob it. It's going over the woman who's next, to, you know, lollipop lady who lives next door to the school, at her garden. Number two, you got your foam ball. Terrible yeah. for wet conditions. Not great. This was a recipe for disaster in the winter months. You booted that, you, your foot filled with water. Again, you had people with marks. And then number three is the, the hardball. Uh, those big red leather ones. Mm. I'm, I don't think they weren't leather. That was, that, this is like 1960, <laughs> yeah. 1960 World Cup. They weren't leather. They were just red and really hard. Yeah. This is uh, what I encountered. And I just remember it hit me right in the face. Uh, I, I was only little. I think I was maybe year one. So I would have been about six years old. And uh, yeah, tears, classic. Been a lady, wet paper towel, you'll be all right. But a lot of my early memories of football are, are from the, the school playground. Playground um, days. What, what, what sort of play were you in the playground? Because I've, I've played against you at like games at school um mm. you're, you're quick you're very quick you know I'm, you're you, prolific you, only had one, you had one move which was cutting yeah cutting, to be fair. Um, cutting on my right and as someone yeah. who's a bit chubby in those days i just played defense and i wasn't bad to be fair you know you were players out there um rock physically shape wise <laughs> and ability wise <laughs> were you one of those every lunchtime out there on the uh, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I used to, I used to love it. I, uh, I'd say I got properly got into playing every day and going out and going to back garden, play a bit more. I'd say that was sort of year three onwards, so seven, eight, eight years old. I was mm. probably because there was a World Cup that year. Yeah, the two thousand six World Cup, uh, and that's when I really started, you know, trying to get good at football, practicing a lot. Uh, and I, yeah, I just used to love playing on the playground. I used mm. to, I played sort of right mid. Uh, I'd say was my my position. There definitely was positions uh, on the playground. 100%. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd say it was probably more defensive midfield attack rather than yeah. I'm going to play number ten. Yeah. I'm going to be an inverted fullback. Yeah. <laughs> like fucking Guardiola on the playground. Yeah, it was just you know, right. If you're shit, if you can't kick a ball, you're fat, or you actually you're just a psychopath. Defense. The 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 good the good kids 
all wanted to be up front. And then, you know, obviously I was uh, the, the really intelligent person that I am. I, I, I was seeing already that mm-hmm. oh, someone's got to connect this. Someone's <laughs> got to clear in that midfield. If you're not getting the service, yeah. there's no point. Uh, a bit like sort of United before Bruno. We didn't have that link. I, I see myself. I'm like that Bruno player. Of the program. <laughs> so, yeah, centre mid, centre attack and mid, right mid. Anywhere I'm at. That was my that was my playground. And um, you run it. Yeah, I remember those good times. No total nineties. Um, yeah, total nineties, and um, oh, was another predators. I last predators. I was never I was a fan actually, of the predators. See, I was always more of a predator guy. But obviously, you, 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 I think you were still wearing total nineties until you were like seventy. <laughs> oh yeah, of course I was. Buy them in bulk. <laughs> best, best, <laughs> best football boot ever made. I'm telling you. Yeah, I had the, had the red ones and then I have the gold ones and they were like, oh, death mm. mm. kiss. Just mm. what, a, what a football boot. And oh, celebrations. I, just, I remember practicing celebrations for, for a long time. My celebration signature used to be, I used to call it the walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> and, uh, I think I know about this. Basically, I used to, you know, in the sort of ancient hieroglyphics and stuff, Egyptians are they're always painted so all their body and I think I believe this is because uh, they believed that if you didn't paint your like everything in your body uh, like something bad is happening in the afterlife like you wouldn't get all your body parts or something I don't know so that's why they used to, when they did the paintings they used to do that funny thing where you, the sense. arms are like out to the side but I adapted this I used to be quite into sort of Egyptian mythology mm. Greek mythology and uh, I thought well <laughs> what a celebration <laughs> All these kids, they're just doing the aeroplane. Yeah. That was last year. Walk like an Egyptian is going to be my signature move. So I was strutting around like that after every goal. I can't believe that never didn't took off. Clearly, didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't catch on. I can't imagine like, Lionel Messi doing that. I mean, on the, the slight chance that any real-life footballers are listening to the pod, I think if you do score and you want to do that celebration in the Prem, go for it. Yeah. And then that would be a great advertisement for this. Exactly, um, yeah. We need a bit of credit, obviously. They can't pretend like they come up with themselves. Yeah. Get it on FIFA, get all the kids doing it. Be huge. Yeah. Jesse it... Lingard, I think. <laughs> Jesse, if, you, if you're listening, mate, better, it's better than that, isn't it? Whatever it is. It's, uh, I can't even get it right. But... Yeah, that's not as good as yeah. that. Then you have the school team. Um... Were you in the school team, I see? Of course, I was in the school team. Super yeah, I was on team sheet. There, I was, yeah, I was forced to play centre back for my entire two year tenure. For the Saint Werbergs uh, team, I was not. I was not happy. Uh, Terry Kelly, if you're listening, he was our teacher. Mister Kelly, what were you thinking? It's a great centre back. Look at the pace. Look at the dribbling ability. Look at the goals. Look at the long shot. Was anyone else on the team offering that sort of those skills? I think basically just saw that I was I was quite tall compared to some of the other lads. Sticking there. So maybe you saw me as that sort of Harry Maguire figure. Yeah, but you wouldn't put Ronaldo um, as centre half, would you? No. You wouldn't. I got a bit. I got a bit sick of it, and I remember I just picked the ball again. Always thinking I was. I'd say I was a ball playing centre back before it was popular. <laughs> before that was the thing. Yeah. I remember picking the ball up, running past the halfway line, ran for ages, and then he was just yelling at me from the sidelines like, "Get back in position!" And yeah. I was like, "No." Fuck you, Mister Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Nah, there's goals to be scored." <laughs> yeah, you can't so see that playground football. 
It's just lovely. There's so it's many. Just, it's just such a pure time. You so can be, like you said, you can be a king of your school. I remember once scoring like fucking eleven goals, and I wasn't even that good oh. at football. But like the games have Literally always been like, happen. yeah, thirty-six all or something like that. And you scored eleven. It's just wholesome fun, you know. Mm. People sometimes people go, we used to have this thing called like the Werbergs Cup. We called it because our primary school was called Saint Werbergs, and it was like year fives versus year six. Oh yeah, and we all, I mean, year six is always one. Yeah. And then the year fives, like they'd be in tears. It used to be absolutely hilarious. It was just such a good time to be alive. You had no concerns. Mm-hmm. I think we can all relate to that sort of yeah. that it's childhood innocence. innocence. I like that. And that that was just your only care in the world. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were some uh, some stupid rules as well. Did you, know, did you ever have that thing where like obviously there's no VAR, there's no <laughs> there's no referee. There probably is. Making up as you go along. Oh, <laughs> there's probably some private schools have invested heavily. <laughs> Um, but um, do you have the thing where there'd be a dispute and then someone would just go panel on it and yeah. <laughs> it'd just be a penalty if it went in fine if it didn't yeah. shut up yeah just imagine if they brought that to the prem <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good that's like something they'd have in the MLS oh that's an innovative league panel on it yeah it's just such a good time to be alive it truly was. I like uh, those were, yeah, I'd say those were my first sort of football and memories. That was where I came from. The streets, you know. The streets of St. Wales. <laughs> yeah, the streets of a very privileged suburban neighbourhood, yeah. Uh, Excuse me, do you remember your first dime? Aye. The first dime bar you ever had. Do you remember it? What was the first match you went to? first match I went to, it was the 3rd of June, 2006. And it was an England game. Mm-hmm. We were playing Jamaica in a friendly. Ah. I think it was, it, was, it, was, it was just before the World Cup. Sort of friendlies, just warming up. And uh, we won 6-0. So a good first game to go to. Saw a lot of goals. Peter Crouch scored a hat-trick. I was going to, I actually think I might remember this. I was going to say, was it 6-0 and did Peter Crouch score? He also missed a penalty that game as well. Shocking. Where was it? Because was Wembley built then? So yeah, it was Old Trafford. It, yeah, it was during that period when Wembley was still... Uh, undergoing its sort of construction renovations that transition from old Wembley to the Wembley we have today mm-hmm. but yeah it was, a, it was a good game and I remember waking up and like my dad had sort of surprised me to put um got it here actually he put my first England shirt oh that's so it for me and he put it on my radiator of course and I just woke up and I was like oh loving it that is a on. great jersey actually that red that red umbra that's probably my favourite England kit ever yeah it's nice. um and then, you know, looking, I've got bought this oh with me as well. A little picture of me at the match. Anybody um, who's, who's listening, this is Tom, aged, how old are you? Uh, 2006, so I'd have been about eight, yeah. Eight, eight years in, old. His, in his Beckham and Red Umbro top. And it's in my Manchester United photo album that I got as well. This isn't something I've put it in like recently. This is childhood. <laughs> I've Always gone into the childhood, the childhood boxes. Oh, these are the tickets, actually. Bought the tickets as long as oh, nice. What are your memories of going to that game and getting there in the in the stadium? I remember thinking it was quite small. Mm. I don't know if that's uh, something a lot of people think when they go to the first football game, but it was all it was a lot smaller than I anticipated it being. Yeah. I remember I walked out. You you have that sort of moment. You have it every time you go to a game. You're in sort of the depths of the stadium. You walk up the stairs and then you turn the corner and it's there and you're like. Every, you know even now you, you do all sort of drops to the floor and you just have to stop for a second and take it in like wow this is the place where it happens especially you know this is the stadium that I supported United I mean I don't probably only support them for like 
a year or so at that point as I was just getting into football. But, but I just remember going, I was impressed. But uh, also, I remember that sort of saying to my dad, it's a stupid question, but I, I said to him, is this a full-size pitch? Yeah, I know. I think I know what you mean. I think I can remember. And certainly if you sit behind the goal, mm. the pitch looks very Yeah, small. that's where we were. Yeah. yeah. So if you're sitting different. on the side, sort of more sidelines, way better seat. Yeah. If you're going to a game, way better place to sit. Sitting behind the goals, I think it all looks quite small mm-hmm. and small. And I think it's kind of, you've watched games in, uh, at home and as a child, you build it up to be this massive stage. They're, 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 these aren't players, they're the gods. They're, yeah. you know, they're not human. They're living the dream. Mm-hmm. They're bigger than, they're not just like me. But then you get there and it, they are just 11, well, 22 blokes running around on a pitch yeah. and they're just, they just happen to be very good at it. I think there's something nice about that as well. That's, yes. again, sort of childhood innocence, not really realising how real football is. It is, mm-hmm. is real and it can be a dream that, mm-hmm. for you to get and play on that sort mm-hmm. of pitch. And, and that's uh, something about when you're on the, the playground as well. Like, because football is so real when you see it in real life, like a, a professional mm-hmm. game, it's so easy to imagine yourself doing it when you go home after or when you're playing on the playground because you've seen it and it is like you just said, just 22 men and women playing against each other with the ball and you can replicate that so easily when you're on the playground or when you're in your back garden and that's what makes it so much more fun because like you can really be like your heroes. You don't need any special equipment or anything. You're just messing around with the ball, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Oh, and I, I remember this is also a childhood, just I'm an idiot again. Uh, it kicked off and I was like, where's the commentary? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was expecting like you know when when a player scores and you get the stadium announcer like yeah. booming the goal whatever. I was expecting him to be commentating <laughs> through the last weekend's the whole game. There's probably other people that thought that, but again, it's because you had that whole experience just on the TV and it's just this other world. And then you go and it's it's not quite as as it seems from behind a camera yeah. lens. It's, yeah, it's like stepping into like behind the watching like behind the scenes of Corrie or like EastEnders. Like, it's like, wait yeah. a second, this isn't the same. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I remember it being very special and you know, that's never worn off. No how, I don't think it will, however many games you go to. That sort of magic of doing that first step around the corner and seeing that pitch and the lights and the fans and how big this place is. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a childhood thing. You, you look at players and you do sort of perceive them as bigger than they are. Like they're gods to you. Uh, that's, that's sort of the nature of the sport. I think footballers and all the sports there now, they're like sort of modern day. They're like the gladiators. They're, yeah. You know, back in thousands of years ago, we would have been going to the Coliseum. And, and that they, these are the modern day Coliseums. These yeah. are This is the sport we have now. And it's hard to get some perspective and realise these places are real. They're just normal people. And uh, yeah, as a kid, I remember having a moment just sort of realising that, stepping out uh, for the first time at Old Trafford. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. So watch it. Drink it in. Tom, what is the football moment or thing that means the most to you? Uh, well, I had a good think about this one. And it's actually quite linked into what we were just talking about. Because um, when you've had a lot of, people on it and they they can give you, you know a specific match um shannon was talking about the scotland team qualifying and i was thinking about that and i was tempted by sort of you know the, the champions league the united won uh, john terry slipping on his ass ben ben touched on it as well you know just a fantastic moment for everyone in sports to be honest that you don't have to be a united fan to, to be like in that moment i mean you probably didn't enjoy it but well you know, everyone else i like seeing racists fall over so <laughs> 
but the, the the thing that not just the moment the, the moments the thing that means the most to me more than anything more than just a goal going in or anything like that it's just watching it with with people and particularly my dad that is what means the most to me with football and that's really what football means to me is is, is, is my connection my relationship with my dad because um, he's he introduced me to the game and I've spent a lot of time watching it with him and that's what football means to me when I when I really sit and think about it is it's, it's something that my dad taught me pretty much everything I know about it and at some point he's not he's not going to be here forever but at least I always have this link to him and it, it was probably the first thing I had in in common with him really mm-hmm. growing up so yeah, I was probably a bit of a mummy's boy when I was sort of you know, not to I'm like five or so. Yeah. But um, when I when you start getting interested in the world and things like that, I remember my dad was introducing me to football, and I was like, "Oh, wow! Like you know a lot about this cool this cool thing. That can you take me to games? Can you teach me about it? Can you play with me?" And that's what football means to me. See, he's a United fan as well, so I don't remember him sort of saying to me like, "This is the team we support" or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. like indoctrination, but um, <laughs> he radicalised it. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing I must have been subtly pushed in that direction because otherwise I probably would have ended up as like a Stoke fan or something like a lot of the kids at school. So uh, yeah, I must have the United thing from my dad. But um, I love having this connection. You, you love the same team and having this sort of shared shared interest. Uh, it's, it's really mean, it means a lot to me. I think that's you know, something that will friends. resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of people get into football and in a world in a sport that is sort of male dominated it is that father-son relationship tends to be and it's just nice because fathers and sons don't tend to have much to bond over like you said which is strange because you think in in being the same gender at least would be something Um, (laughs) but like men aren't very good at talking about their emotions sometimes and at forming those connections so to have the sport to do that for you can be a nice thing I'm very, I mean I'm very lucky to have a fantastic relationship with my dad I mean I'm, it's, I'm in that sort of period now where when you get to our sort of age mid-20s your, your parents start becoming like a, an authoritative figure and they're now like a more almost like a friend as well and uh, I'm very privileged to have that relationship with my dad but the, it was football that really started that off and I've just got so many great moments of, of watching games with him and uh, so many sort of car journeys to university and back where literally for hours and hours on end we're talking about United transfers going great games games I've been to with him I've been to every single football match I've ever been to I think with my dad and I mean there's one in particular there's sort of jokes that come from it we went to a, the Manchester derby I can't remember the year but it, it was the one that ended 4-3 mm-hmm. Michael Owen scores mm-hmm. scores a goal in the 90th minute plus four I think it was but um well it was a, it was a back and forth derby I think we I think it was one nil to us they'd gone back we got we, we get kept going ahead they kept clawing it back mm-hmm. got to about the 87th minute I'd say it's 3-3 and my dad quite a practical man and I was still like a little kid doesn't really want spending hours in the car park with me not maybe I'm not that happy with a draw and you don't want to be stuck in traffic you want to get home he's got two other kids we want to get home we don't live in Manchester so 87th minute my dad's like right come on now um this is you know this is a draw let's let's get out of here ahead of the rush and you don't want to lose your kid either as well <laughs> so I suppose there's a lot of things to consider I've never really tried to see it from its point of view before Logical. but to be fair to him like yeah there was a lot of like things going on it probably would be better to leave early but uh, I remember we're just going out, we left the stadium and there's a bridge you just sort of you know, just going over the bridge at Old Trafford 
and that we'd hear this eruption behind us and you you're thinking like someone scored <laughs> right <laughs> who 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 scored have we lost or have we won and i mean the roar is massive so you're thinking plastic don't make any noise so it's coming city kind of to be fair this was probably before the money so plastic hands on, turned up which is an empty empty uh, corner <laughs> Um, but then some other fan, you know, was an a- that had left early, like was just announcing, like, oh, in school, oh, in school. Oh, I just, yeah. you couldn't write it. Like, oh. And uh, so every single football game we've been to since, you know, I turned to him, I make a point of turning to him about 87th, 88th minute mm-hmm. and saying, shall we, we leave then? But my it's dad, just moments like that. My dad did that as well. He'll want to leave at like 88, 89. And again, it, it probably started because he was taking me to matches. And like you yeah. want to get out with your kid, but then when I started going to matches with my friends, like at uni, like forest games and stuff like that, they'll get to like the 80th, 80, 90, 80, 90, and I'll be like, "Oh, should we leave?" <laughs> no, I don't know why we leave, even if they're losing like three 0 Sometimes yeah. it is practical, but that is gutting. And that was a great game as well, that that Owen goal. Um, yeah, that it, it. That's the point as well. Like it wasn't just a. I wouldn't mind saying much if it was just like a, another goal when we were already winning, or yeah. even if it was a draw against someone, some team we didn't really care about. But that's when you look at like the Premier League years on Sky. They're always sharing. It, this is a goal where you, everyone comes back to you like Owen's one of Owen's only goals. You know, I could have said I was there for that goal, but I wasn't. But I was, you know, I was hundred meters away. Yeah. You had um, the ticket. Yeah. That football means so much to me because my dad bonded so much over this over this sport. Yeah, I can never thank football. If football's a thing, I can never thank it enough. You know, it's not just my dad, it's my friends as well. We've had a group relationship because of football as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly with my dad, that's what football means to me. Lovely. That was a really beautiful answer like that. You know when I played against Fulham? My dad saw the game! He saw me play, man! What is your favourite piece of football media? Thought long and hard about this one. I'm excited um, for this. A lot of, I mean, we've had a lot of great things brought up so far. FIFA from Rahul. I particularly liked Ben's suggestion as well. FIFA on the Wii. Because I also had this. And I can confirm it all. It was good. TV-wise, Aiden, I think it was Aiden, suggested, um, what was it? The, the, the next... Football's the next, next Star, next, I think. Next Star. Like yeah, again, I can attest that was a good show. Good show. Um, but I haven't gone for any of these things. I don't want to cover ground we've already already gone through. That's all right. I've gone for these bad boys. Oh my Match goodness! Attacks. Match attacks. I'd just like to state for anybody not watching, Tom is holding up a stack of match attacks. Yeah, so uh, while I was looking, because I knew I had my sort of old shirt and that picture that I showed you from the, my first game, and in the same box, what did I find? A stack of swaps. This isn't my actual collection. I can't. I tried looking for my. I had the book. I had the book, and I'm pretty sure I completed the, the season after this. But this is this must be the season before. I'm not sure what season this is. This might be 2006, seven or seven, eight. I don't know. But oh, here's a swapper Ronaldo. He's got 30 defense, 90 attack. It's pretty. That's pretty, pretty good. Card. I thought it'd be higher than that. Well, he, the next season, I think it's the next season. He gets the hundred, hundred club, which is 101, 101. And I, I loved that. But uh, match tax, they were absolutely great time. I mean, taking it back to school, these were all over the playground as well. I remember in our school, I think they got banned because there was sort of, there was sort of like an underground trading yeah. uh, market going was on. Was it our school? So, yeah. Some dodgy exchanges. Yeah, some um, guy called John McTiernan. 
he's not going to listen to the podcast on on, <laughs> on his full name. He, <laughs> he bought like cash money, like cash oh. to school, and you'd sell him your match attacks. I think I sold him some like, for like five quid. And one lad, he bought, he paid, gave him twenty quid, a twenty quid note. This was in about year oh. four. And that was a lot of money for like year four. But the thing was. But because John had bought everybody's match attacks, he had nobody to trade match attacks with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, not doing well there. I'm just looking through some of these players. Always one you're like, Ooh, Torres. He's got a shiny Torres. Got a Torres star player. 10 defence, 90 attack. So he's got the same as Ronaldo. Nice. Uh, he was, to be fair, he was a very good player. Mm. Uh, They're just great to, to look back on as a like nostalgia piece, I think. Yeah. Some of the players. Robbie Keane for Liverpool, 81 attack. Great duo there. Oh, no, I've got loads of him. I've got three of him. <laughs> Should start selling them on eBay. Good attacking players. Did, did you I ever play it or were you just a collector? So um, I didn't really play it because when you play it, is it, is it like you read, like it's a bit like top trumps and you read out like who, who's got the best stat or whatever. And then didn't you have to like give your card over? As far as I'm aware, you put 11 players down in a four mate. This mm. is what me and my dad did when, when I convinced him to play with me. And if this, is, <laughs> if this wasn't the rules of the game, then this should have been the rules of the game. You, you put them all down in a formation, right? So you had a goalkeeper, mm. and let's say I played four, four, two, four defenders, four midfield cards, and then, and then two, two, two attacker cards. And then, like, kind of like battleships. I think you had to put, oh, this is probably not even how you played it because now I'm thinking about it. It doesn't sound legit, mate. <laughs> so, like, if, if I played 4 4 2, my dad would have to play 4 4 2 as well, right? And then yeah, right. he'd ping up his left winger, and then his left winger would have to go up against my left winger, and then he'd yeah. say, like, attacking, and then whoever had the most attacking would win that card. So I think we just added I mean, that. I mean, that makes sense. We added that formation element. Yeah. It, it basically well, yeah, it is top sense. trumps, isn't it? It's basically top trumps. Yeah. But to answer your question, no, I didn't really play it. I was in it for more for the trying to complete the set. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I used to go to the co op. On the way home from school, my mum would or dad would buy me a pack. And I just remember that just such a, a feeling of joy. It was like it was like FIFA packs before FIFA packs were a it thing. Was. It was. But you couldn't go on the market and well, you could go. Actually, I did do this. You could also go on the, the direct the match packs website and order specific cards because mm. I did do that. Did you? Who did you I'm get? I'm telling you, well, Fabregas, the Fabregas Hundred Club, I'm telling you, they didn't print the damn thing. It was not in packs. Literally, no one had him. If anyone's listening to this pod, um, they ha- you had a Fabregas hundred club from a pack you bought. Then, I mean, your dad must work for Match Attacks because <laughs> it, it just wasn't there. I had Ronaldo. In fact, I think I had like double. Torres was a hundred club. I had him twice. I had loads of them, but I just couldn't for the life of me find Fabregas. So I, I think I got. I persuaded my dad to buy me Fabregas from the website. How much was like an individual? To- individual. Uh, card. I have no idea. It's probably like a mm. fiver or something. Yeah. Uh, I just needed them to, com- to complete my set, I think. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I was in it for the collection. Yeah. And it was so good as well because I, I must have been eight or something. It was when I was first getting into football. And it's a great learning sort of resource as well because you do learn pretty literally every player in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of those players went on to play for the next decade. And you've got all that sort of knowledge about, oh yeah, back in L.A. yeah. 20 defence he's, he's yeah. upped his game yeah. <laughs> well, I, was yeah, a I, I have like almost encyclopedic knowledge of football players obscure particularly obscure football players he played in the Premier League between the years of 2006 to 2009 
just I'd say I'd attribute almost all of that to match attacks. Absolutely fantastic game. Yeah, just swapping with people. Mm. Uh, I remember everyone used to come into school with their swaps. Um, these were I've got here. They were my swaps, so that's what I used to take into into school. With my big rubber band I used to lay them out. I'm like, what do you need, mate? I'll hook yeah. you up. Yeah. I'll, and then yeah, you used to have to shoot them down. They wanted me to just trade bloody Gareth Barry for some like United player. I was like, well, <laughs> get on your bike. Let's give me Gareth Barry. Having a laugh. He wins. You look emotional, mate. I'm with you. I'm with you. Go on, let it out. He wins that ball so much. Tom Farrell, have you ever cried at football? And if you've not, have you ever got close? I have, and I can picture it now. I can tell you exactly where I was. I was sitting on my garden wall. Uh, it was 2006, and um, it was a few minutes after England crashed out of the World Cup to Portugal. And uh, I remember just bawling my eyes out as a little kid on that on my garden wall because I'd never really experienced sort of defeat as a football fan at that point. You know, I'd watch United, but it's not really the same. Elite, losing a league game or whatever. It's the World Cup. You know, mm-hmm. it's the biggest stage. And I remember just being absolutely heartbroken that we that we lost. I think I was also as a United fan. I was. I, I remember crying and being really concerned that Rooney and Ronaldo weren't going to get on the next season. Well, it, there, was, there was like legitimate beef in that game. To be fair, yeah, I mean the the wink at the camera and it was a um, saucy game. I think there probably was some bad blood there, but mm-hmm. um, they they definitely put it behind them because they went on to be one of the most prolific sort of duos, trios with Tevez. It was a heartbreaking way to go out as well with the penalties. It was a heartbreaking way to go out, um, but yeah, I, I cried uh, when we went out to Portugal. As an adult, uh, you know, teenager, whatever, can't think of occasions where I've, where I've been moved to tears a couple of times I've probably been close I think when Trippier's free kick went in yeah. and then in 2018 and you believed you started believing for a few precious minutes that you were going to see your team in the in that World Cup final yeah that was that was close because it, it's not the tears of like happiness and belief there's that thing of like being a kid I think I can't remember who else I asked this said the only time they had cried was when they were kids. It's just like how much it means to you when you're obviously football still means a lot to me now, but I get more like angry than anything and frustrated. Whereas yeah, when you're a kid, it's but you like, can rationalize it now. You can, exactly. Yeah, you, that's exactly it. When you're a kid, it's like my world has just ended, you know? Yeah, as an adult, I think you do get a bit more um, laid back. I mean, you're still very passionate, but you can rationalize it a lot more. Mom, you're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? I just think they're neat. Tom Farrell, who is your who? favourite player of all time? Your personal choice, not the best. Well, we have briefly spoken about them already. I'm wondering if you can guess who mine. Is it Harry Maguire? No, of course it's not Harry <laughs> Maguire. Is it David Beckham? Believable. It is David Beckham. Yes, you are correct. What a player. Mm. I just love it for his sight. What a player. Let's just go through like what he was as a player first. I think he was robbed of the, of the Ballon d'Or. I can't believe he didn't get it. I think it was the, the 99 who, season. Who did get that? He was second, wasn't he? Yeah, he was second. I can't remember who was second too. That's the thing. No one remembers. No one cares. Exactly. Play, whoever won it, I don't know, I might Google it. Um, or you could Google it while, while I'm Google it, yeah. Go on. Go on. Um, so he's robbed of a barn door. I'm sorry, but he was. He, he was the best player in the world in uh, in 99. Um, he's, the be- he's the best free kick taker in my book of all time. Just some of the free kicks he scored. That one against Greece. Oh yeah. Imagine the, pre- imagine the pressure on on your shoulders when yeah. you're you're squaring yeah. up against that ball. You know you've got to put this top bins, or your whole country 
60 million people are about to just be deflated and feel so upset because you're not going to be at the biggest tournament in the world and then you put it top bins mm-hmm. like you gotta feel like an absolute legend yeah it's unreal yeah just the ice in the veins dead ball specialist all around you look back to the to the final the champions league final against Bayern munich in 99 two corners in the 90th minutes both converted right but it, fans talk a lot about oh you know sharingham and then solskjaer but it's the deliveries as well, the delivery to put it in mm. the box, in that danger zone, pinpoint accuracy in the 90th minute with that pressure. He was just an absolute specialist. And mm. look at that Adidas advert where he gets it in the bins as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's his biggest achievement, really. I found out who we, who we, who we came running up to, by the way. Who was it? Would you want to make a guess? Um, uh, I think it was a Brazilian player. It was, because they just won the World Cup in, in 1999. Yeah. Um, it was Rivaldo. Rivaldo. Who I never really sat well with me, that Rivaldo. There's someone about him. Just, okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe my comment about no one remembers him was a bit harsh. <laughs> but um, I think Beckham, I, I do think Beckham was a better player that year. I think what what United achieved that year as well, a treble. But Beckham was, he was the star player in my book. But there's a lot of great players in that team. But um, yeah, I think Beckham was was fantastic. I was I, I used to love David Beckham. I was obsessed with him. I used to have a poster in my room. Of his like greatest goals, and I used to just read over and over again about his goal against Wimbledon, where he scored from the halfway line. And uh, but I, I just didn't want it to be like him. I was, I was obsessed with that guy. You bend it like um, Beckham. Yeah, just was a film as well. Great and thing. I think the thing with Beckham is, I think he's underrated. I really do. I think the thing what's happened with David Beckham is he's achieved a, a status of celebrity, unlike pretty much any other footballer mm-hmm. ever, apart from. You know, Messi and Ronaldo, understandably. But Beckham sort of transcended football. He's sort of known by, I'd say he's probably known by millions and millions of people for not really anything he did on a football pitch, just for Mm -hmm. being David Beckham, just for being, you know, having all the sponsorships, the the good looks. And I think people that didn't, weren't there, you know, young kids today growing up, I think people have forgotten how good he was. He literally was the best player in the world. At one point, I yeah, it's a like, similar thing we see with them, Ronaldo, like Cristiano Ronaldo. Sometimes is that the flashiness mm. of them and the kind of celebrity, like I said, the good looks, the like not arrogance, but the showiness of them. Sometimes takes yeah. away from their football ability. And like you said, certainly people who grow up now thinking of David Beckham, David Beckham, think of like Victoria Beckham, think of like modelling, yeah. think of the haircuts, think of the outfits, and not necessarily the footballing skill which he undoubtedly had. Yeah, when I think of, I think of you know best cross of the ball. Best free kick taker, just that right foot he had was just perfection. So, yeah, when I say he's underrated, I don't mean yeah, people are saying, oh, he wasn't a good footballer because people clearly tell you, so yeah, people know he's a good footballer, but I don't think he gets talked about enough how good he was. It's a joke. You've gone about Vardis, Vardat, help the officials out. Clearly, they need help. Tom, what is your biggest football gripe? So, the thing that annoys you the most about football currently? Well, there's a lot of things in football that are a bit annoying. I don't want to go over ground we've already covered but uh var we've all we all don't really like how it works at the moment i think it i think it's i think it is needed i think it is the future i think it will get better but um my main gripe i'd say just this is just something that's been annoying me sort of this week i've seen a lot of this going on it's sort of comparisons needless comparisons that are generally just for the purpose of clickbait they're just doing it for clicks give me sport Terrible for Ooh, it. Oh, they are woeful. It, I, I'm, I'm not joking. 
I'd say every every month you see a post from Give Me Sport and it'll say, Skulls Gerald Lampard, who was the better player? Finally decided. <laughs> and it's just it's just some pundits, they've dug some pundit out. They're always footballers that no one cares about. Just put a marker in the face, just say, who's the better midfielder, mate? Skulls Gerald Lampard. Inevitably, the player played with one of them and they'll go, well, I played with so-and-so, they were the best. Boom, article's done. <laughs> content. That's the Gerard Skulls and the Lampard content from the month. It's just needless. Why are we doing it? But I click on it. I click on it every month. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But I just do. I, I have to... It makes my blood boil. Not because I, th- I have a strong opinion on like, who is the best. I think they're all amazing midfielders and we shouldn't be, you know, just trying to basically say one was way better because they're all absolutely world-class. But it's just, and it's just things like that. It's, I think it just kills the game a bit. Like, it's great pub chat when you're, when you're with your mates, but I think there's a lot of, um, what do you say, companies? What company is it? It's, uh, media outlets, maybe? Or... Yeah, a lot of media outlets. A lot of media outlets just use it for clickbait, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's it, there's Messi and Ronaldo. That one's always going around. Use the better, like, up-and-coming, old professional manager, Lampard, Solskjaer, Arteta. And it's just like, I mean, it's nice pub chat. I wouldn't mind it with my mates. It's good. But when you're just doing it for clicks and there's literally no content in the article, it's just, I just don't think it's it's need, needed. And we had this last year, Liverpool, when there was a massive thing when, you, when you're on your big winning streak, you know, mm. it's like, oh, these are the best Premier League side ever. Mm. And I'm just like, you're way too early, lads. Yeah. Let's just calm it down. Like, it was a great achievement. And it, you're an absolutely fantastic side. But this whole greatest Premier League team ever debate, way too soon to be mm. discussing that. Like, don't throw teams in when literally you're mid-season or it's only one season after. I think we jumped to conclusions too early generally for clicks and i think it's just needless yeah it's i think now everything social media whatever it is media in general there's just a rush to be the first one to say something to be the first one to put that opinion out there and to say it you can be even if it's wrong even if it's stupid even if it's ridiculous you gotta be the first one to say it you can be the first one to put it out there and that's what a lot of that is like oh i don't necessarily think that liverpool last season were the best premier league of all time but i'm going to be the first one to say it and the people who agree with me are going to click on it because they agree with me and the people who don't disagree or who disagree with me are going to click on it to, to comment something like, you fucking idiot, you know? But when you're down the pub with your mates, it's like, the beauty of that is you're never going to come to a conclusion. You're never going to come to an answer. Yeah. It's just chatting. And you know that you might hold a, hold a stupid opinion that deep down you don't really agree with, but that's the fun of it. You're just chatting with your mates and on the wind up sometimes and, and pretending like you're professional analysts or Sky Sports. Yeah. You know, there's that meme where... Like, does Giggsy not get into your midfield for? I think it's like <laughs> Carrigan Keen discussing like the all time team. He's not getting into my team. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's not getting into my team. Yeah. Oh, I, I, there's nothing wrong with it down the pub or when you're just chatting with your mates, whatever. But yeah, as I say, I think that this social media trend we, we're seeing isn't, isn't great. ET phone home. ET phone home. Well, we've reached the. Uh... Top of the mountain. <laughs> the top of the mountain. The uh, final hurdle, as they say. Tom Farrell, I need from you a world footballing 11. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? You're not going to tell me about the news? <laughs> <laughs> you not heard? <laughs> you, oh, go on, you tell me. Just, uh, I just got off on phone, BBC News. Uh, just uh, alert. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> Aliens are... Looking down on Earth, uh, they've got a 
got a new Death Star this time and um, copied it from Star Wars. Mm, and, very original. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not sure it's going to work. We should just send up a, a little plane with a bomb just to yeah. pop it into a special port. That, that's lovely. The, the designer is, is going to do a great favour by designing the yeah. self-destruct button basically in the middle of it. But we're not going to do that. Because what they actually want, instead of blowing us up, they say they'll they'll hold they'll hold off. They won't pull the trigger if right. if I give them a, a dream team, um, okay. eleven players, uh, dead or alive. Did the players have to be real, or can they be fictional as well? I believe that they they could be fictional. Okay. I'm not sure if I'll go down that route. Okay. Um, we'll we'll have to see. wait and see. We'll wait and see. Could you tell me those eleven players and formation? Sure. Yeah, I mean. Uh, off the top of my head because as I say the alert only just came through mm. I'll probably go with uh, Buffon in that um, I think he's got over a thousand senior senior appearances which is pretty immense does he really? Um, yeah I, I mean probably I haven't done the research because mm. as I say the alert just came through but um, pretty pretty sure he's got over a thousand career appearances including 176 for Italy which you think of goalkeepers that define eras. Um, before that whole uh, era, where Pitti only won the World Cup, sort of 21st century you've got keepers, you got to just think of Buffon. Um, he's got the longest streak without conceding in Serie A history. He's got, he's been at five World Cups. He's been in five World Cup squads and he won one of them and he won the Golden Glove in, mm. that, in, that, in that edition. It's just longevity, uh, isn't it? And, and he, was the, he was a runner-up in the Ballon d'Or in 2006 he arguably should have uh, won it yeah I agree to, to Cannavaro yeah, he was at Cannavaro justice um, yeah so you know keepers don't keepers don't really make it in the barn door he's, he was a great keeper um, I mean he's still playing isn't he he, he is yeah but I think he's on the Juventus bench I want to say absolutely amazing keeper legend of the game and uh, yeah he. I, I feel very secure with him in that I'm going to go to my full backs I think next my full backs I'm pl- I should tell you the formation as well. I'm playing a 4-2-3-1. Uh, my fullbacks are going to be very attacking. Um, I want a lot of attacking runs. They're going to have licence to go forward. Uh, I'm quite lenient with the defensive duties. Just track back when you can. But, you know, I'm not expecting them to stay rigidly uh, in, in line. The aliens, if they've got footage, uh, if they've seen football matches and they've been studying, they might have seen sort of games years ago, but I'm not sure they will have adapted to the modern game. So at uh, right back and left back, I've got two Brazilians. They've been featured a lot already in people's teams. Oh, okay. I think you can probably guess who I'm going to go for. My yeah. full box are, of course, Roberto Carlos and Cafu. Fantastic players. Just Roberto Carlos, you're going to have someone with like 99 free kick accuracy. This is the man that hit the free kick that physics can't explain. As YouTube thumbnails will tell you. <laughs> just That's true. Ninety-nine curve. Literally, I watch it back sometimes. It's, it's just ridiculous that free kick. But yeah, he's more than a free kick god. He was also a very good player with his surging runs. Same with Cafu, um, a real player who sort of helped shape uh, the modern fullbacks into the more, this more attacking position. I don't think that had really been a much of a thing. And I say before they sort of made it fashionable in that that legendary Brazil team. So that, those are I've gone for there. Sure. Centre backs. I think there's been some mistakes, to be honest, okay. in previous teams, because I think people have fallen into the trap of just picking a great uh, centre backs without thinking about the crucial aspect, and that is 
it's got to be a partnership. There's no yeah. point picking. There's no point picking two great centre backs if we're not going to work well together. So I think my team is going to blow everyone else's out of the water, to be honest, because I've gone not for who I think the two greatest centre backs ever are, but who I think one of the best centre back partnerships I've ever seen. And there's probably United bias in this, but of course I've gone for Vidic and Rio. Just dominated the Premier League. What a partnership. I mean, there are other candidates I considered. I considered um, sort of Terry and who played with Terry in that Chelsea squad. Yeah, Carvalho. I considered them. The the other ones I strongly considered. I've re- I'm, this was tight. Puyol and PK. Um, yeah, I think I think I, I think you've made the right decision there. I think they've maybe there's someone like I just think Vidic, absolute rock. Yeah, put put his head on anything. Put his head on the end of a boot if you told him to. Absolute, just you'd probably break your foot more than him. Absolute monster. And Ferdinand, he was he could play the ball as well. He could he, he was comfortable with the ball at his feet, and he'd be he'd be comfortable distributing it. He had some pace as well, and that's what makes a partnership. I looked at the United team to get today, and we've got Maguire and Lindelof, and it just doesn't work. Anyone can see that because you're essentially playing two Eddie Stobart lorries in defence. It just doesn't work as a partnership. You need that. You need that rock in Harry Maguire, but Lindelof it lacks to him useless because he's the same, pointless. You need someone pacey, and that's why I've gone. Vidic and Ferdinand, I think it's the perfect partnership because you had that rock, but you had a bit of the pace. They could deal with all the situations. Very good record. Between them, I think they got five Premier League titles together. They got the Champions League, got the Club World Cup. And Vidic as well. He got Premier League Player of the Season twice. And there's only two other players that have done that. Can you guess who they are? Okay. Uh, right, let me have a think. Nemanja Vidic and two others. I am going to go for Thierry Henry. Correct. And Alan Shearer? No. Was it um, Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, it was, I thought it was going to be Ronaldo or him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just thought that was a good start as well, considering the other two are, of course, forwards who tend to get more glory. As yeah. a defender, to get Premier League for the season twice, I think it's some feat. But yeah, that's my, my defence. So I've gone for Buffon, Cafu, Vidic, Ferdinand, Roberto Carlos. Sitting in front of them, I'm playing uh, my sort of defensive midfielder, holding midfielder. I'm going for an absolute menace. I decided I want to put some terror in them. And the player to do that for me, Roy Keane, I think, great player. You know, look, there's rumours that, you know, we're going to, we might sign Haaland. But then you get in reports that Haaland won't come to United because Roy Keane destroyed his, his father. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fair play. Uh, I mean, he did. He did mm-hmm. really get rid of him deliberately. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of player he was. He just didn't take anything from anyone. And he left it all on the pitch. But he was a great footballer as well. Um, he was a great captain. He's gonna he's gonna be the captain of my team. Mm. I, think I think he's he almost the uh, Justin Trump's there, the antithesis to Beckham in that and Ronaldo mm. in that the flashy things about them and their lifestyle and their, their appearance took away from their footballing skills and the brutal and harsh and sometimes ugly things about Roy Keane's personality and, and uh, not lifestyle, but the way he was on the pitch take away from people viewing his football ability because technically he's still one of the best midfielders in the world regardless without the, all that leadership stuff and aggression. That is actually a very, very good point. I hadn't really considered that but yeah, I think you're totally right. I think he is whether, I'm not sure whether um, underrated is the word but he is kind of left out of a lot of conversations because he is known for that sort of combative style of play mm-hmm. whereas he was he was technically brilliant as well and he could play the ball and, and he could dictate the pace and that's what I want him to do I want him to take the ball off the back line 
and be that leader for me and uh, help control the pace of the game. Left it all on a pitch as well. I remember that. Uh, well, I don't remember it, but the uh, game against Juventus in the 99 Champions League mm. semi-final. Gets, uh, he got a yellow that game and it meant he was suspended for the final. And he got the yellow pretty early on. But he just, you know, it didn't, his head never went down. He knew he, wouldn't, he knew he wasn't going to play in a Champions League final. He just lost his chance to do it. But he, he, he is probably the sole reason United got through that, that game. Um, I think he scored ahead of that game and he, just, he was just such a leader. And then if you look at sort of the, the dressing room footage after, everyone celebrating, Keane's in the corner, just sort of, he let his head go down a bit then because naturally he disappointed. But he, he just he's going to give his all for the team, and that's what I want to see from him. Next to him, the United bias is clear again. Um, I think this is a man who made, I think he made Ben's team. Box to box. I could have gone with Gerrard, but I've got to be true to United. I've gone for Paul Stolz, of course. Great player. Again, gets a lot of hate on social media in these debates, which is why I don't like them, probably. But... Um, what a passer of the ball. It gets memed a lot because um, there's that. I think it's, I think Ronaldo said it, that um, in training, so Ronaldo turns up to training at United and he's practising all his flicks and stuff and all his skills and Paul Scholes comes over to him and he's like, basically says something like, oh, that's not, that's useful, but, you know, in a game situation, there's other things that are more important. Look at that tree over there. It's like 100 metres away. And Scholes is like, Try and hit that tree. And Ronaldo's like, I tried and I tried and I could not hit the tree. <laughs> Scorsese picks up the ball and just boots it and nails the tree. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> uh, it's a great story, but it's yes. been memed so much now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that, it's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of, he could do that as well. You, I, I don't doubt that he could have done it. And it's probably a true story. He was just absolutely a legend. And yeah, he's going to be sitting next to Keane for me. I think he's going to be hitting some great long balls. My cam now. So this is quite a compact midfield. Like as I said, I haven't got any width. I've mm-hmm. had to leave Beckham out, and that killed me. Mm-hmm. But I decided if I'm going to win, there's some players up ahead of these guys. There's three players that I decided I couldn't leave out, and that meant my midfield necessarily had to be these this compact style that was just going to be um, keen goals and Zidane. I'm a legend just for that volley hit as well. Champions League yeah, what a goal it. yeah such a such a good player hit him with the roulette he's going to have all the skills and he's in it as well just for the headbutt to be honest look at the passion if the aliens are giving us some back if this turns nasty Zidane and Keane poor you, you are not surviving They're in for a Zidane, Zidane Keane Vidic <laughs> just you're getting broken you're not surviving so I think he's going to be great for me and he is completing my, mid- my midfield trio. Three three players left. On the left wing, I've got Cristiano Ronaldo. I, I, you can't leave him out. I don't, I don't see how people can leave him out of the best team mm. of all time. I think he's in. He's definitely in the debate for me about best player of all time. I know on this podcast, a lot of people have been going for Messi mm. outright. For me, it's not that simple. I think the, what he's brought to the game, the dedication, the mentality, he, maybe he's not as... Uh, you know, as much of a magician as Messi, but you can't ever write him off. The man is three years older and he's still the highest top scorer in La Liga. 
he's the best, the, the biggest Champions League goal scorer and assist maker of all time. He's got 770 career goals. He's got five Ballon d'Ors, 31 major trophies, over a thousand career appearances. The man's a god. He, des- he deserves to be uh, just classed as one of the greatest players, one of the two greatest players of all time. I don't really have much time for this. Uh, he was the better player. I think yeah. we just should both appreciate him. It's, it's a cliched answer. But they're different players. They're different players. I mean, they're both technically gifted, but Messi is more about just going past man after man with the ball like on his foot like it's on a rubber band. Whereas Ronaldo is a, just an athlete and shows what you can do if you give your all to your training and just really have such the best physique you can give. Like This is a man that... He, he says that he hasn't had a McDonald's since about 1999 or something. That's what he like, says. Well, I think the story is that like he used to go, he was used to be so poor. And it's a great story from how he's risen up from his um, you know, humble beginnings as well. I think he used to go to McDonald's and like they used to give like him and like other kids in his neighborhood like food because I think he comes from a relatively poor region in Portugal. It's it's in interviews where he's talking about how he sort of treats his son now, and he sort of says to his son like his son wants a McDonald's. He's like, Dad, go, I want a McDonald's. And Ronaldo's like, No, <laughs> your body's a temple. Um, God, imagine Ronaldo like, being your dad. That'd be annoying. Yeah, I'd be literally world strictest parents. Can't have even a McDonald's hamburger. It's like, No, you need a protein shake, <laughs> yeah. Dad. I'm five years old. <laughs> But uh, he's just absolute athlete, god of the game. I couldn't leave him out. Opposite on the other wing, of course, the other player in this debate I've just mentioned, Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. What a player! I probably don't, I don't need to spend a lot of time on these two at all. Everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows they're absolute gods. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see the life of them again. That's a, uh, I should have said this as well when we're in the comparisons. Comparisons lately. Oh, Haaland and Mbappe, are they going to be as good as uh, Messi and Ronaldo? Of course they're not. No, I hate that. I just, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I don't like oh. speaking about those things, but my God, I so, you've got to be watching another sport to be thinking that. If they had a kind of they're Ronaldo gonna, They're going to develop. Yeah, if they had a kind of Ronaldo type in terms of his physique, the way that changed from when he was at sporting and then left. Oh United. yeah, he went from a, an out-and-out yeah. winger to... Yeah, if any of them did that, potentially, but you, you, they don't have that that ability, that raw ability. I don't think maybe just... Mbappe, maybe Mbappe. But again, we're going too early with it, and it annoys me. It takes because it takes away from Messi and Ronaldo's achievement for me. It takes away from how good they are to be. Comp- you can't compare men to gods. You can't compare mm. mere mortals to these people. And of course, they make my team. So the one position left, and there's only one player I think to play. Uh, number nine in my team. There's been some great number nines in history, but I think one stands just not for the longevity. I think he, he didn't have the longest career injury to turn his career on its head and saw his, his downfall before his time. But when you look at his record, two Ballon d'Ors, the youngest ever winner of the Ballon d'Or, World Cup Golden Ball, World Cup Golden Boot. He's won two World Cups and he, ran, he was a runner-up and one he didn't win. Of course, it's Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Great player. Disrespected too much. Left out of too many conversations. But what a player. What a He's guy. What a unbelievable. Guy. I'd love to have seen him play, actually. You obviously can see highlights and stuff. And I remember seeing him at the 2006 World Cup when he was a bit past it. 
um, and mm. just generally seeing his career when he was a bit past it. But just like unbelievable that combination. His prime, just just how you could go around the keeper and yeah. just run at people. It was terrifying. I think I've said this before, oh, but yeah. like that weird technique of or weird combination of technique of somebody like mm. Messi and then the brute strength and power. Yeah, and the physique he had yeah. wasn't yeah. interesting. That is so, a strong I, team. I think I think it's the best team. Buffon, Cafu, Vidic, Ferdinand, Roberto Carlos, Keane, Scholes, Zidane, Messi, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. I think the, the thing I was thinking of through the whole of this is I wanted to make a team that really worked. That it wasn't just great players on a piece of paper because football, it's all about your system and buying players that are going to fit your system and play with the players you've got. So it's not as simple as just whacking 11 people down on a piece of paper. And I, that's what I tried to do. I tried to take a, uh, an approach that I thought would gel. And I think this team would. I, I like that approach. Uh, it's a logical, sensible approach. And I expect nothing less from you. Yeah, I'm going to go. You, I'm going to go a 2 0, a, co- a really comfortable, functional. And you might think that's disrespecting, but. I think that's disrespecting. No, because oh, a 2 0 is like when Liverpool win 2 0, I'm like, yeah, fucking easy. 3 0, it's like, well, the opposition must have been really poor. And that these aliens are good, Tom. You're forgetting that. 2 0 is like clearly. To be fair, I haven't seen the them play. Done. Nobody has, that's the problem. <laughs> 2 0 is a clinical result. Got the job done, no stresses. I, I don't see you conceding. I like the idea of the partnership at the back. That front thank three you, is just you. deadly. Yeah, it, it's an unbelievable side. Yeah. You've saved I the mean, world. Thank you. How are you going to celebrate saving the world, Tom? Um, I mean, we're still in lockdown. So probably just probably just have a drink of squash and get to bed <laughs> and wake up for another day of lockdown fun that's the dream well i've thoroughly enjoyed this episode my mouth actually hurts Thank you. Laughing, yeah, which is I've, uh, yeah I've, I've really enjoyed it talked about a lot of stuff yeah you don't usually talk about as, as, as fans because usually you just talk about the last game or var decisions whatever it is the weekend but i think that the great thing about your podcast is it it shows that uh, football is so much more than that. It's not just about the result of last week. It's it's a beautiful game. It means so much to us. And uh, I don't think people have these conversations enough mm. about actual history and emotion and meaning and stuff. And I think it's just so much more, it's so much more, more worthwhile and more interesting than just saying, oh, Button Adoy game should have they should have had a penalty against uh, him when he played against United, which he should have done. It was an absolute disgrace. Uh, but yeah we're not going to get into that that's for another podcast anyway that's been thoroughly enjoyable thank you for coming on Tom thank you thank you I've been Owen Dowling he's been Tom Farrell this has been episode 7 of the Football Night Podcast thank you for listening good night and God bless Uh, seriously if anybody actually does know how to play match attacks please please can you contact me immediately so I can get you on the show to explain I hope you've enjoyed this episode if you've made it this far if you've not then well I guess you won't be hearing this Thank you to Tom again for coming on, and I hope you've enjoyed. This has been the Football Night Podcast. I have been Owen Dowling. Thank you, and good night.